We are so uh, glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, we started a new series last week called The Beautiful Tudes. My name is uh, Pastor Eric. I'm the student pastor here uh, at Crossroads as well as uh, I, I help lead the guest uh, services as well. And uh, Pastor Corey started the series last week. And uh, I'm going to continue it today talking about uh, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. You can flip over to Matthew 5, 9. Uh, as we continue to, to discuss God's words this morning. Uh, but really just want to, uh, to kind of give some, some updates. Like I said, I was only here three nights of VBS. My wife and I just celebrated our one-year anniversary uh, last week. She's not tired of me yet, so yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so she's put up with me for a whole year and a lifetime more to go. So uh, got to get away a little bit and all that. And uh, so it was a good weekend, but I miss being here. Uh, with my church family. And so uh, when Pastor Rod asked me if I wanted to speak this week, I said, absolutely. Uh, please continue to be in prayer for Pastor Rod and his team as they are still in the Republic of Georgia for another week. I believe they're coming back Saturday, right? Correct? Uh, next Saturday. So uh, hopefully he'll be here if that jet lag uh, doesn't hit him too, too hard. Uh, hopefully he'll be here in person, but uh, just continue to pray for him and his team uh, during this time. And I uh, hope you guys are at Matthew 5. If you're there, say, uh-huh. I'm going to give you one more chance. If you're there, say, uh-huh. There we go. All right. Just making sure, making sure. It's the summer. Everybody, I'm like, uh, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping in a little bit and all that good stuff, but it's kind of, kind of affecting me a little bit. But Matthew 5, 9, uh, bless. And I, I started thinking back, and, and this past week, like I said, we were on our anniversary trip. Uh, we went to Nashville, and we, I started thinking about um, what it means to be a peacemaker, right? Has anyone uh, ever taken the Enneagram before? Uh, it's like the personality test. It's got like nine different person. Anybody? Yeah. So some of you guys know uh, know a little bit about it. It's this really extensive uh, personality um, personality quiz that you can take. I think it's like over a hundred questions, and it kind of puts you into one of nine different categories. And you've got a strong and a, and a weak and all this other stuff. And I started thinking about peacemaker. My wife is actually a peacekeeper. Right on the Enneagram scale, a peacekeeper, which is so ironic because God chose to pair her with a number one, uh, and that is a reformer, somebody who engages conflict, and a peacekeeper is generally someone uh, with a large amount of empathy and a large amount of, uh, of just kindness towards people and doesn't want to offend people. They want to keep the status quo, so to speak, and that is the exact opposite of what my Enneagram is, which is a reformer. I want to engage and fix it, and, and I, don't, I don't want to settle, right? I, I, I want to uh, continue to push the envelope a little bit, and it, it's just kind of funny. After two and a half years of being together and, you know, our first year of marriage, I can honestly say I feel like we're making each other grow and we're stretching each other uh, because whereas before, I would probably engage things too much, like a lot of guys tend to do, if I'm being honest. Like, I would uh, be more on the, on the heavier on the truth side than the grace side of things, which as the Bible will, will tell us, you need a good mixture of both. You need a balance of both grace and truth. And uh, I, I can tell you that Sarah is very graceful, like when it comes to uh, uh, empathy towards other people. She's a school teacher, and, and she just deals with a lot of kids who have a lot of uh, uh, problems and, and family background. Um, she has a large amount of empathy. And I wanted to kind of clarify the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper, right? Because they, they are, they sound similar, but they are a little different. So that, that's what got me thinking you know, to clarify it this morning. First off, you can see on the screen, a peacemaker are those who are actively trying to reconcile others uh, to God and to each other, 
It's an actively, you're trying to reconcile, you're engaging a conflict, so to speak, right? You're actively trying to do that. Where a peacekeeper is those who purposefully avoid conflict as to not offend other people. Now, I will say this, when it comes to a peacekeeper, that large amount of empathy is something we should all have as Christians, right? It's the idea that, you know, Jesus says uh, to pull the log out of our own eye before we point out the speck in our, in our neighbor's eye, correct? That's what, that's what Jesus said in his word. But a lot of times we want to be like the ones, the Enneagrams, right, where we want to engage and we want to just be bluntly truthful and bluntly honest. And a lot of times what, what happens to, to my, you know, to my shortcoming is I, I don't see the log in my eye, right? That's, that's where I love having a peacekeeper wife to, to kind of balance me out and be like, yeah, well, you got to think about this. And, hey, you know, they, you said this, but it might have been better to say it over here. It's not that we shouldn't be uh, uh, blunt and shouldn't be truthful, but we should always taper with the grace that has been given to us by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, right? It's not that we don't engage the culture. It's just that we make sure that we're doing it in gentleness and in love with the ultimate purpose of bringing them, reconciling them, so to speak, to God, right? And so I just want to clarify peacemaker versus peacekeeper because I know those terms can seem very, very similar. Um, and again, we need the peacekeepers in this world as much as we need the peacemakers in this world. We just have to make sure um, that that high level of empathy does not uh, keep us from going and sharing the gospel because the gospel offends. If we're not, if we're, if we're not reading the Bible, we, we wouldn't know that. But if you're reading the Bible, you're, you're knowing, right, you're learning that Jesus did offend others, but he always did it with truth and he did it with grace, right? He was blunt when he needed to be blunt. He was gentle when he needed to be gentle, and he was kind always, right? And so the question becomes this morning, you know, there's really two parts to this. First one is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So we're going to break it down. The first one is, blessed are the peacemakers. So how can we become peacemakers, all right? Um, no one expects us to magically obtain peace, right? There's not a prayer that you can say where you will just be at peace and you start you know, humming and, and floating in the air and, you know, zen and all this other stuff. Like, there, there's no verse for that. There's no scripture for that. Peace, seeking peace is something that is a lifelong pursuit, right? But it starts with accepting and understanding the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. So Psalms 34, 14, it'll be on the screen. It says, if my Bible, there we go. It says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And so we see from here in Scripture, even back in the Psalms with King David, right, seeking peace and pursuing it. It's kind of like seeking something and pursuing something might sound very similar, but it, it, there's some differences, right? I can seek something. I can go to look something up, right? Let's say I, I go to Google something, right? I, I go to Google, I don't know, uh, houses for sale near me, something like that. That's a big, that's a big thing right now. The market's still hot, and it's you know, all this stuff, people are, a lot of people are selling their houses, a lot of people are trying to buy before the market changes, all that good stuff, right? And we can seek it, right? We can Google it, we can get some information about it, but until we actually go in person and see the home for ourselves, we're really not pursuing it. We're just kind of going through the motions. I feel like that's the difference between seeking and pursuing. Seeking is like, oh, okay, I can, I can look through some stuff, I can get an idea of what it's like, but pursuing it is going out and actually doing something about it. It's the action behind it, right? It's showing your passion for it. And so your, your first uh, or your next bullet point is seek peace and pursue it. 
it's, it's one thing to read about peace. It's one thing to say you have peace, but until you start living your life in the peace of God, like you have the peace of God, then are you really pursuing it, right? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. So something that the Bible, uh, you know, stems from, right? We have this idea of a worldly peace. We have this idea of a biblical peace. The world will tell you that you can get peace when you are financially sound. You can get peace when everybody loves you. You can get peace when uh, your 401K is doing well. You can get peace with this. You can get peace with that. The Bible tells us biblical peace stems from trust, love, and obedience towards God, right? It's not the things of this world that will bring us peace. It might be a temporary peace. It might help you sleep a little better at night knowing things are going well. But ultimately, if we are not seeking the peace of God, that eternal peace that he provides, everything else will fade away, right? Matthew 6 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so if we're not careful, we're going to seek the peace that this world offers and not the biblical peace that God offers, And the only way we can have biblical peace, the only way we can be peacemakers is to direct people to the peace that God offers through salvation, right? To reconcile, to have Jesus reconcile us to God. So I thought it would be helpful to have kind of a list. This is not an exhaustive list, but kind of a list of kind of trademarks, so to speak, or marks of peacemakers. And they're going to come up on the screen one at a time. And we're going to kind of break them down a little bit. The first one says this, peacemakers strive for peace in their own hearts first. Notice how I added that first at the end, okay? It's one thing to say we are striving for peace, that we're seeking peace, but ultimately if we don't have the peace that Jesus offers in our own hearts, it's going to be very difficult to show that peace and to guide others towards that peace, right? And again, this peace that I'm talking about, it's not something worldly that we can just obtain automatically or something we can wake up with one day, right? Something that we can do on our own is the peace that comes from knowing that Jesus reconciled us. He took our sins out of us so that we could be in the presence of God, right? That is what it means to truly be at peace biblically. But we're not striving. We have to strive for peace in our own hearts first. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like saying uh, you're going to go coach a guy that you've never played before. Has anyone ever had a coach like that? Like, the, the guy sounds good, the, the girl sounds good, whatever the case is, whatever sport it is, but then you find out, like, you know, they, they really don't really know what they're talking about, do they? Like, it's, it's a little awkward sometimes. Like, they, they've never played that sport. And it's very hard to teach a sport, if you've ever coached before, it's very hard to teach a sport that you have no experience in. I would never go and try to coach football, and, and you can, you're probably up here going, like, wait a minute, does that mean you've never played football? No. Never played a down of football in my life. Thanks, Mom. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, nah, I'm just playing. I love you, Mama. Uh, my parents are here. Everybody give it up for Russell and Doris Dillingham real quick. It's awesome to have them in the house today. Uh, they came in early for, uh, for kind of an early Father's Day deal. Um, but growing up, that's the question I got asked most. Do you play football? Hey, why don't you play football? Hey, why don't you play football? I was like, I can't sign the permission slip. I tried. My handwriting's too bad. Like, I can't, I can't do it. I even had a coach show up my senior year at the church I was at wanting me to play for him at the high school, and I was like, first of all, I'm actually about to graduate. He goes, well, you can declare a year later. I was like, bro, I've never played before. You want me on the line? I don't know what I'm doing, you know, all that, and, and he still wanted me to play, and I was like, you got to convince her, right? And I was like, you ain't going to convince her, all right? Mama Dillingham don't play. Like, she ain't, she, she ain't about that life. She's afraid I'd get hurt, and in and, and hindsight, in hindsight, I was probably a safe bet since my knees and hips are jacked up even now in my 30s, so thank you, Mama, for that, but 
it would be like having a coach that has never that has never played the sport they're trying to coach, right? How can we show the peace of God? How can we lead others to the peaceful relationship that Jesus offers if we've never experienced ourselves? So we need to make sure that we're at peace in our own hearts with our sin to God. We need to make sure we're at peace before we go and try to help other people. It's kind of like when you're in a, um, an airplane, they say, you know, put on your mask before you help small children with theirs, which I was kind of like, that seems kind of mean, but okay. Like, it makes sense, but... Enough of that. We beat that one to death. Peacemakers are active. They are not passive. Okay? Peacemakers are active. They are not passive. We don't share the gospel once or we don't, you know, you know send them a funny uh, Facebook video of a Christian comedian. We don't send them a song one time and expect them to just, you know, come, oh, tell me more about Jesus. Like, we, those are great tools. Those are great things we can do to, like, start the conversation. But we can't be passive. We can't sit back and expect people to come to us because the world it's telling people to go away from God. We can't expect people to just come towards us and come towards God on their own. We have to go to them, right? Every time, and if you guys don't ever notice this, okay, when, when we pray at the end, many times we'll say you are loved and you are sent. Because we're not here waiting for people to come to us. That's great when they do that. That's awesome. We're here for you. But our job is to go out and spread the gospel. Peacemakers go out. They go out and they perform the action, right? Next, peacemakers do not speak out of frustration, but out of gentleness. There's, there's going to be people, I think, I think if I said uh, frustration, everybody would have this picture pop in their head of someone who frustrates them. For some of us, it might be someone sitting next to them. It's okay. Like, don't jab them. Don't, don't give them the little, like, like don't, don't, be, don't do that, all right? Be subtle about it. No, I'm kidding. Um, don't do that. But we can't let frustration Keep us from sharing the gospel. We must do it out of gentleness. And for some people, I heard a story one time. Uh, it was in one of the Christian magazines that, that we used to get. This person had been praying for their, I believe it was their sibling, for 52 years. 52 years they were praying for them. Don't, don't you think that would get a little frustrating after a while? Especially seeing somebody make the same mistake over and over and over again. But instead of getting frustrated, they they showed gentleness. They kept praying for him. And eventually, that sibling did come to the salvation that we all know as Christians, okay? Again, truth and grace. We have to be balanced, okay? I am probably more truth-centered. I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of Christians are, to be honest. We get very frustrated, and we want to just shout out at people, like, repent now. Like, and that's, that is true. You should repent now, because the coming of God could be any day. But you catch more flies with sugar than with vinegar, right? You catch more with manure, but, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, had to throw that in there. Sorry, had to throw that in there. But at the same time, at the same time, the gentleness, right, the empathy. People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. J.D. Greer said that. They don't care about how much you know about the Bible until they know how much you care about them. And if we're not careful, if we're not showing the empathy that Jesus showed to, to the lost uh, to the lost folks in his day and to us, then we're not, we're not going to be peacemakers. We're not, called to, to be, uh, uh, we're not called to be that aggressive. We're not called to be uh, that blunt. We're not called to be all these things, right? These, these nasty, I mean, guys, it's all in the media. Everybody thinks Christians are mean, they're nasty, they have no fun, they're angry all the time. And it's because there's some of us out there who are taking things the wrong way. If we show empathy first, if we show empathy and, and balance it with truth of the gospel, 
God will take care of the rest. And we have to have faith that he will. Next one, peacemakers are patient but persistent. I mentioned the story about the person who prayed for their sibling for 52 years. Patient but persistent. I actually wanted to use the word relentless there to give, to give that idea of just, I've never ceasing, but, you know, I'm a Baptist, so I had to do patient, persistent. I had to do two Ps. You know, that's, that's the way Baptists roll sometimes. We got to do that in our messages. Uh, I don't know why. It's just kind of what we do. I don't know. But patient but persistent. Patient but relentless. And then lastly, I added this one just because I, I feel like it's, it, it could be for someone in here. I, I know it's certainly been for me in the past. Pe- peacemakers do not rely on or do not relay private information. We are not the mediator, right? We are sinners just like the people in our lives are sinners. We're not the mediators. Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father, right? He's the one who reconciled us. To go out, and I know some people are like, well, I heard them say this, so I went to the person myself and tried to explain their side of the story and did this. Well, you're still giving them secondhand information, which can be inaccurate. You can actually cause more problems and more harm to that relationship by doing that than to by going to that person directly and be like, hey, man, you said this to me. I think they need to hear that. And then step back. It's their decision at that point. We can't make the decision just like I can't make the decision for someone to follow Jesus. All I can do is make the decision myself and help guide them towards that. I can be the peacemaker by reconciling, helping reconcile them to God, but I can't force them to reconcile to God. I can guide them, but I can't force them, right? And when we relay that private information, I know that there's people that have been hurt uh, by churches in the past, by uh, whatever it was, maybe a rumor that started, gossip, whatever the case is. Guys, we, we, we can't be about that life. It says we speak with truth and grace, and, and, and gossiping rarely is that truth and grace, if ever. We have to make sure that we are peacemakers and not fight starters. Okay. Now that we see what it looks like to, to be a peacekeeper, we're going to zero in on what it means to be a child of God. And, and some people might be sitting here going, hey, I, I've been in church my whole life. I, I've been a Christian for a lot of years. I know what it means to be a child of God. Sometimes it helps to have a reminder every once in a while, especially I never want to assume that people who come through the doors of the church are, are all children of God. There are some people here who are searching for God, right? And if they know what it means to be a child of God, they can start uh, uh, developing that relationship with God today, right? So to be a child of God, I, I actually brought some, uh, I brought some examples. Uh, my mom and dad know this. I, I asked for some photos, right? Because growing up, I, I, started, I started thinking, let me back up. I started thinking this week, you know, what does it really mean to be someone's child, right? I, most of the time when we think the parent-child relationship, we think, oh, well, you look like your dad. Hey, you've got your mom's eyes. Hey, you know, your, your temper's like your daddy. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I had to do that. It was good. Um, but growing up, I rarely had anyone ever, like, tell me, oh, yeah, mom's whispering now. It's good. Mom's whispering to my wife. This isn't good. This isn't good. Red alert. Um, anyway, I was one snort, Abby. That's good. Um, so growing up, I rarely, rarely ever had someone not know whose kid I was. Growing up, there's one picture. So you can see my dad is very amused with the rabbit ears coming up behind him. It's good. Uh, you can definitely tell the facial expressions there. Why he's wearing a Cleveland Indians hat, I have no idea. I'm kidding. Dad's from Cleveland. He's been, he's been, he's been changed. He's repented. He's a Braves fan. You know, yeah, go Braves. Um, he grew up in Cleveland, so I, I give him that one. Um, but as you can tell, there's definitely some similarities, right? 
when I was growing up in church, my dad was a deacon. Uh, I was probably the stereotypical deacon's kid. You know, we're not quite as bad as pastor's kids, but, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love you guys. It's good. Yeah, they're just, they're like, shut up, Eric. It's good. Um, we were usually the one getting the pastor's kids in trouble. How about that? The deacon's kids were, it was good. The elder's kids, whatever. And uh, I always, always had this, this sense that I was worried about laying my dad down, laying my parents down. See, my dad and I share a name, Russell, Eric, Dillingham, Junior, Senior, right? I always had that feeling that if I did this or if I did that, I would somehow be tarnishing the family name, right? I was, I was that kid, right? I would get really upset with myself. I was my own worst critic. I still am. I, I get that from somewhere. I don't know where I get it from, but I get that from somewhere. But growing up, nobody ever had to be like, hey, you Russell's boy? And I'd be like, that depends. <laughs> I said that one time. I was like, it depends. What have you heard? Like, it's, it's good. Um, but growing up, I, and you can flip to the next picture. That's a little bit older there. I think we're at a wedding. That was back when I thought I could grow facial hair. It's not good. It's, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Um, I got the Abraham Lincoln chin strap there. It's, it's, it's not working for me. Um, but even there, you can see some similarities there. Next picture. Uh, you can definitely see it. That's my dad and I on my wedding day. Uh, as you can tell, there was a, definitely a big difference between the last picture and this picture. I don't know what happened genetically there. Definitely came out better on top um, than I did. Um, I don't know what happened genetically there. Um, at one point, I would consider me his mini-me. And then at some point, when I guess when I turned 13, he became my mini-me. I don't, I don't know. Like it, but he, he definitely came out better with the old uh, follicle there with the hairline. But um, no one ever had to really question whose kid I was. They could tell whether it was a physical feature, whether it was my, uh, the way I said things. Um, okay, funny story. Funny story. It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. Um, my dad used to have these, like, have you ever heard of alternative Christian cuss words? Like, like, dagnabbit? Yes. <laughs> Everybody, the pastor's kids. Yeah, yeah, we know them. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, I love you, Rod. Don't fire me. It's good. Um, but anyway, so, Growing up, my dad would have these sayings, right? And he would always follow the saying, even though I'd never heard it in my life. He would say something, be like, Dad, what are you talking about? He goes, you ain't never heard that before? I heard that my whole life. I'm sitting there going like, I've known you all my life, and I've never heard you say that before, but okay. One of his favorite words was, uh, what was it, dead gummit? Dead jimmit, dead gummit, something like that. And one day we were coming back, I think from the post office or lunch or something, and, and I, something happened. This guy pulled out in front of us, and I'm like, Dead Jimmit, like that. And my dad was like, and he just kind of looked in the back seat. He goes, really? And I was just like, you say it all the time. Like that, that, that's what it was. Like I act, our kids are going to act like the parents. Whether you're biological kids, adopted kids, whatever, you're going to act like the authority figures that you're around the most, right? And so when it comes to being a child of God, my question is, do you think people can tell by the way we walk down the street, by the way we interact with people, by the way we speak to others, can they tell that we're children of God? Because if they can't, then that's kind of a sign. And, and I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself first. But if they can't tell, then what do we need to do to change that, right? Is there is kind of keep ourselves accountable to this. And, and yes, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, we're going to be in uh, John 1.12 real quick. And uh, just talking about what it means to be a child of God and how we can do that. The first verse here, John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
So your next bullet point there is to be called his child. It says we must receive him. Not just the knowledge about him. Uh, there, there are people, if we walked up to people on the street and said, uh, do you know who Jesus was? Most people would be able to tell us a few facts. Yeah, you know, he was, he was a prophet and he was, you know, this. And, and he came and he did some cool stuff and, and he died. And people say he rose again. I mean, probably the average person on the street could tell us some facts about Jesus. But until you receive what he actually did for you, you're not going to be able to claim that title, child of God. Because until we claim it, we're not going to have that peace in our hearts. We're not going to be able to, to be at peace with God because we're going to be guilty over our sin. And remember, if you ever feel uh, um, something in your heart, like a, like a conviction, there is a difference between shame and guilt and conviction. See, shame and guilt are designed to keep you down and to keep you over here away from God. Conviction is designed to make you better so that you can grow to be more like Jesus. So if you're feeling conviction, that's actually a good thing. It helps us, it helps us become closer to Jesus. And if we receive him, you're going to be convicted. You're going to feel conviction if you are truly growing closer to Jesus because with the more head knowledge and heart knowledge we obtain, the closer we're going to be to Jesus, but it's also going to be the more we feel convicted by it, right? Um, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, many of you have probably heard this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Last summer, we actually did a sermon series talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the staff are actually going through the Impact One book by Ken Adams. Uh, we've actually got it in our, in our bookstore. Um, in this uh, Bible study, it, it kind of helps you walk through what it means to be a disciple and how to how to grow as a disciple and how to make other disciples. But at the end of every chapter, it's got this little section where you ask yourselves, how am I doing? It's kind of like a checkup, right? And it goes just with the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, as some uh, translations will say, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It says against these things there is no law, right? So at the end of every chapter, it actually asks us, hey, this week, how have you been loving? This week, hey, how's your joy been? Have you been joyful this week? Not happy, but joyful. There's a difference. Happiness is circumstantial. Joyful is a mindset, right? Have you been at peace this week? We're talking about peacemaker. Have you been at peace this week? Have you been patient with others? Or have you kind of been on edge a little bit? Right? Have you been kind? Have you been good? Have you been gentle? Are you exhibiting the, the characteristics that Jesus exhibited in the Bible? Because that's really our, that's the only person we're supposed to compare ourselves to. We're not supposed, and I, I know I'm saying that, I compare myself to other people all the time, and something I have to really work on and work at. My wife, bless her heart, has to deal with me all the time about this, about comparing myself to others. But really, the Bible says the only person we're supposed to compare ourselves to is Jesus and how I can be more like him, right? And so to be called his child, we must grow to look like him. Are we being more loving? Are we being more joyful? All the way down through the list, Right? Because that's the whole point of being his child. We're just like with me and my dad and my mom, like I have some characteristics of my mom as well, but definitely with my dad, you know, growing up, people could tell I was his, his kid. So am I growing to be more like my parents? Am I growing to be more like Jesus? Am I growing to be more like the Father? And if I'm not, then I, I need to check myself, right? Romans says this. Paul was writing in Romans 8, 14 through 17, said, For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Are we being led by the Spirit? Are we growing in that way? The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-glory. Let's break that down. When it says sonship, in the Old Testament, the way they identified you, right, whether you were biologically born, whether you were adopted, uh, whether you were a, a kinsman redeemer like Boaz was in the Old Testament, no matter what the case was, usually in that culture, the oldest son had the most rights to the property, the, the, the resources, and all those things, and the other children would be split fairly evenly after that. But at the same time, even if you were adopted, right, you still had some type of right as a child of that individual, right? And just like this in the Bible, it's saying that, yes, Jesus is our older brother. We are co-heirs with him, which is really kind of cool to think about because I know I don't deserve that. Jesus lived a sinless life. He, he, he died on the cross, the most gruesome death ever in my place, and yet the Bible tells us that if, if I put my trust in him, if I'm willing to do what he did, then I am a co-heir with him, that I have an inheritance with Jesus himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, correct? So I put here, to be his child, we must be willing to do what Jesus did. And, and here's the deal. In this scripture, it, it points this out. It, it's this idea of Abba, Father. And, and there's different names for father in the Bible. There's different names uh, uh, for mother and, and son and all these different things, right? But this, this Abba, Father, this is an intimate name. This is something that it's not just like, hello, Father. No, this is like you're crying out like you got hurt, you got scared, and you're crawling into your parents' bed at night, and you're saying, Daddy, I'm scared. Like when you're a little kid, like three or four years old, right? He's going, Daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, Daddy, I need you. It's that intimate father-child relationship, right? It's not something distant and far off, making judgments and critiques and all this stuff. No, he's actually right next to us through his son, and he's right there holding our hand through all these things. You say, well, why doesn't he, he fix things more? Why doesn't he fix the world? He never promised to fix the world. He just promised to walk by your side through this world, Right? He gives us free choice, and, and that free choice comes with consequences, but it also comes with a lot of freedom if we choose him and we choose that peace. It said that we are co-heirs with him. Jesus is our big brother. He is the ultimate peacemaker. Think about this. If a peacemaker biblically is someone who is rec actively reconciling people to the Father and reconciling people to others, who else in the history of mankind has reconciled more people than Jesus? We've seen people reconciled to God, absolutely, but we've also seen families brought back together. We've seen people fight addictions and be healed. We've seen mental health uh, restored. We've seen physical health restored. And, and we've seen people come to the saving grace of knowing Jesus as their Savior. No one has reconciled more people than the name of Jesus. And if we're going to share in this, in this inheritance that, that Jesus has, and we're going to share in his glory one day, it means that we have to share in his sufferings. That means this. It means that we start sharing uh, in his mission for God and his suffering. That mission is going to bring, back, bring about pain at some times. It's going, to bring about, uh, it's going to bring about uncertainty sometimes. It's going to bring up fear sometimes. It's going to bring up losing friends and family over the gospel sometimes. But if we're serious about the mission of Jesus, then we're going to also share in his glory. And he promises we will be called peacemakers. 
It means we're sharing in his suffering. Um, we still, you know, but if you want to sit here and tell me we have the same level of persecution as the early church did, we, we need to have a conversation. Christians were being burned alive. They were being crucified upside down. They were being beheaded for their faith. We just get some mean tweets on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be that blunt with you. That, that's the truth uh, coming at me more than the grace. But I, I think that there's a point in time to talk to the people of God and tell them the truth. Like, we have it pretty good here uh, in America, right? There are people, even in today, over, overseas that are losing their lives because of their faith in Jesus. Are we willing to suffer with him? Are we willing to, to lose those friendships? Are we willing to, to go against the grain in that way? And lastly, we must share his love for the Father because without love for the Father, we will have no peace from the Father, right? He is our big brother, and he shows us the way to be peacemakers. And, and you might be here today, and you're going, you know what? I've never had peace a day in my life. I've, I've always felt guilty. I've always felt like I wasn't good enough. Me too. There are times when I don't feel good enough. I'll, I'll wake up randomly and have, and have a rough day, and I'll feel like I'm, I'm, I've got shortcomings. I'll never get over them. I'll never be at peace. But you know what God promises? He said that when you choose me, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you believe that, then you can have peace with the Father. If you believe that if you're confessing your sin, if you believe that you are trying to be like Jesus, that you are accepting him as your Lord and Savior, that you are literally going after what he did, you're willing to do what he did, then God tells you you can have the peace and you will be called children of God. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. If you're here this morning, as the band comes, if you're here this morning, you're going, I don't have a lick of peace. I'm, I'm always agitated. I always feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I always feel like I'm being judged. And I always feel like I'm never enough. And God said, you are through my son. We are not enough on our own in our sin, but through Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his love, through his mercy, we are enough. So if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus, you can say this prayer to him. I want to clarify the words of this prayer do not save you, but the heart behind this prayer does. You can say it out loud. You can say it uh, uh, to God silently, however you feel led to do that. But say something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for being the ultimate peacemaker. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins so that I may be reconciled to the Father. Thank you that no matter what I have done in the past, no matter what I will do in the future, I can rest assured that I can have peace in my heart because of your sacrifice. Jesus, help me to be more like you. Help me to be at peace in my heart so that I can go and be a peacemaker in this world. And maybe you're here and you've got a different story. Maybe you know what the Bible says. Maybe you know that you have the peace of, uh, of salvation, the peace of, a, of eternal life. But you haven't been a peacemaker. You haven't tried reconciling others to God. Maybe you don't even know how. We would love to talk with you about that. You can write down your connection card. But maybe you're here. 
and you're going, you know what? I need to step up and be a peacemaker. I need to reconcile others to God and reconcile others to each other. I just want to pray for you, pray over you for just a moment as we do that. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for those who are making first-time decisions for you, that you would give them the peace that comes from knowing you so that they can rest assured in their salvation. But I also want to pray for the people here who are convicted that they need to be peacemakers in their own lives and in the lives of others to, to reconcile others to you, Father, so that more and more people would come to know your saving grace, so that more and more people would go out and make more disciples and, and be peacemakers in this world because, God, we can never have enough peacemakers. You have called us to go out and share your word and share your gospel. And until the day you return, Lord, we must be peacemakers to reconcile others to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. We thank you for VBS. We thank you uh, for all the volunteers who made today and this past week uh, possible. And God, I just pray that your will be done and that this worship would be pleasing to you, Father, for it's all in your name. Amen.